yeah, I, I talked about this you know, in a different interview. I just said, at the end of the day, um, those guys bullied us. Um, won our lunch money back. They bullied us last year. They, you know, they ran the score up there five seconds left. They're you know, laughing. It was, it, was it was a jolly time. Um, and I mean this in the most respectful way possible. I'd probably do the same thing if I was a coach. There's no hate. Um, but you know, I, I knew we wanted our lunch money back. Uh, we wanted them to pay interest. Um, and it looks like you know that bank's closed on Sundays, but we got uh, some deposits to make. And welcome back to another episode of Brewcast. This is going to be a whole lot of fun. Luke Yardy here with you, as always, joined by Anthony Broom and Chris Castellani. Feels good to be back, boys. Uh, sorry for you know missing out last week. Was on my deathbed a little bit, but yeah, really good to be back. We have a lot to get to on this show. Obviously, you know, a dominating performance by Michigan. We have to talk about uh, Michigan's toughest test of the season coming up this Saturday. But first, before we get to all that, we have to. Um, I want to say a big thank you first of all because Friday night down in Detroit. Had a ton of fun. Uh, we had our Maze and Brew meetup. It was awesome. Big thank you to SB Nation. Big thank you to Anthony. Big thank you to Detroit Beer Company. And big thank you to all of you that came out because it was an absolute blast. And I know Anthony and Chris going to want to touch on that a little bit as well. But I want to say thank you to everyone who came out. Had so much fun on Friday. And that really just like kind of catapulted the whole weekend you know sent us into saturday the michigan performance on saturday was spectacular all in all a great weekend so thank you to everyone i, I just mentioned for making it a great weekend anthony chris what's going on guys how you doing oh it was an awesome weekend uh, across the board um maybe not a, a great nfl sunday for certain uh, factions of people but uh if we're talking friday night into saturday into saturday night what a weekend i mean the meetup was amazing uh had such a good time. So glad to, to see you guys out there. Um, we got the we got the squad picture. That was pretty cool. Uh, big thanks to the Prouts came out. Uh, Larry Prout, his mother, his father came out. Uh, Larry, do not be fooled by Larry because that kid is a hell of a cornhole player. And he uh, he took it to our our boss Matt Brown a little bit. And Matt Matt was awesome too, uh, setting all that up. So um, really, just a great time. Awesome, awesome experience. That can cannot thank you guys who came out enough. Um, we had a listener who, uh, Serena, she came out by herself. She said she wasn't even sure if she was going to walk in or not. She was, but she decided that she was going to be with people of like-minded interests in her own element. And and we all had a good time meeting her and meeting a lot of the other readers. We had a couple that came out from Pittsburgh on their way through Detroit to go to the game on Saturday. Um, lot just. It was awesome. And uh, for you guys that are maybe bummed out and you missed it, missed a chance at a T-shirt, uh, whatever it was, uh, we do have something planned for Michigan-Ohio State. That's under wraps right now. But I can say if you're not going to Columbus and you want to party with us in Ann Arbor, something will be on the way. So, again, thanks to everyone who came out. Thanks to Detroit Beer Company, SB Nation. Um, what a phenomenal night and a phenomenal kickoff to the weekend it was. So, um Chris, it's, it's, uh, it was good to see you too, buddy. Yeah, man, I, you know, kind of reiterating what you guys have already said. I mean, I had a blast. It was, uh, it was everything I could have wanted it to be. And then some, it was great meeting the crew. It was great meeting, it, it, it was great meeting everyone, uh, or at least most of the people who, who, uh, work at the site. I know some people couldn't be there, but, uh, you know, overall, I thought it was just a great event. And I thought you did a great job. I, SB Nation, thank you. 
And, uh, you know, I said this at the time and I'll, I'll just reiterate it again. I think a year from now or even six months from now, if we hold a similar event as great as this was and as much fun as it was, uh, I think all of our goal goals are, are to look back at that, you know, a year from now and be like, wow, that was so small compared to what we're doing now. And so I, I, it's a, it was an awesome, uh, kind of, kind of first step. Um, I know that everyone on the site works their asses off and, uh, it, it, it was, uh, it, it was, it was great to meet all those people. And, uh, if I didn't get a chance to say it, uh, just thank you and, 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 and keep working hard because we're, we're building here. And, uh, it, it was just great to see everyone. Yeah. I, I think that we certainly, uh, that was the first time we had done anything like that under, I mean, this sounds stupid, but under my leadership, so to speak, or, or since I've been with the site, I mean, this is year five for me. Um, that first year I was kind of just a recruiting guy, but, um, that was really the first time that not only did an event that was networking with readers and fans and things like that, but that was the first time we had really gotten together as a staff too, which was pretty awesome. And, um, I know we had some guys coming from out of town. Luke made like the, the two day journey from the yeah. UP to, uh, <laughs> to come down, which is great. And, uh, brought your girlfriend as well. It was nice to meet her. Uh, definitely seems like someone who has to keep you in line, but uh, always, always, that. always. Um, yeah, it was great. And I, and I think we're onto something because to me, I feel like, and I don't want to get too sappy or, or, you know, we want to get to the game and the good stuff here, but I feel like, I feel like what we do means more. If you've like sat down and had a beer with us or shook our hand at some kind of event, like, no, I, I take a lot of pride in our guys being down to earth and personable and, and um, I don't know. I, I didn't see anything that, uh, that would suggest that we have any issues with that. So uh, looking forward to more of it in the future, you know, for our name being maize and brew, uh, it was about time that we did something that involved brews uh, cool. and uh, there's going to be more of it coming, like I said before. So again, thanks to everyone that was involved and uh, we'll do it again soon. Yeah, and I, and I hope everyone that came out, you know, that's that's listening to this podcast, you know, understands that we're all very easy going, and we're all just, you know, really fans like everyone else. You know, I know sometimes when when you meet guys who like, you know, do stuff like this, they they're kind of full of themselves. I hope none of us came off that way because I don't think anyone came off that I, way. I guess what I'm not. trying to say, Luke is cool. Uh, please date us. Take us on dates. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. please, yeah. please, <laughs> all the please. dates, all the dates. <laughs> Hopefully to uh, to Michigan games because man guys, um, this team is rolling on all cylinders right now, and this is a very scary team. This is a very scary defense. What we're seeing is kind of unprecedented, uh, even in terms of college football history. Only a handful of teams, I think, have been as dominant on the defensive side of the football as Michigan has been, and they've played some good offensive teams. Like Penn State has put up numbers this year. They've put up yards, they've put up points, and they look like a JV offense out there against this fast Michigan defense. The depth on this defensive line is absolutely insane. I'm going to be honest, I, I didn't think 42-7 to was in the cards on Saturday. I expected Michigan to pretty much dominate, but what I saw uh, kind of – kind of blew past my expectations. I, I don't know if it's the same for you guys, but man, what did I come away impressed on Saturday? Yeah. I mean, to me in terms of, there's been a couple kinds of dominate that we've seen this year. Um, really as many as three or four different kinds. I mean, there's the flat out 
wire to wire destruction that you see against teams like Western Michigan and Nebraska and things like that. And then there's the the games like Michigan State where it was 21 to 7, uh but I I don't think I think that that game was nowhere near as close as that score would indicate uh in a lot of ways. Uh this was another one of those well, I won't say it's it was wire to wire. Um cuz it was still I mean with a couple minutes left in the um the third quarter, it was only 14, nothing or 21 to nothing or something like that. Cause it was funny. I actually went and looked up. Um, so I was going to put together a little highlight package that I didn't end up doing uh, outside of the, the show intro that we came in with today. I was looking for the highlights for the game and I'm watching ESPN's highlights and it was only like a five minute video. And then we're, we're a good three, three and a half minutes into the video and Michigan hadn't even had 21 points on the board yet. Uh, this was another one of those games where, they hammered away, hammered away, hammered away. And people were like, God damn it. Why can't they open up the offense? Why, why are they hand up, hand up? That was, I was one of them. Yeah, no, I I mean, it's, it's warranted. And I even said something like that during the game. Like this is what they are, what they do. Now the, the body of work would suggest a break is going to come. It did it ever. I mean, you had the pick six from Tommy Stevens. You had uh, David Long's interception. Um, I certainly don't think Michigan ran up the score. I thought that really the only thing that was kind of like Dicky on Harbaugh's part, uh, I didn't have an issue with it, by the way, was challenging that catch when they were up 42 to nothing. Uh, so that petty. was kind of like, come on. Like, but you know what? Like this is, it's very, abun- it's abundantly clear now that this is a team that has taken on the identity of its head coach who takes any perceived slights against them keeps the receipts and uses it as fuel and it has worked and it has worked magnificently. Um, the first person I saw tweet out the stat about the total scoring on the revenge tour, which is Michigan one Oh seven Wisconsin, Michigan state, Penn state 27 was actually Chris. Boom. And thank you. Yes. I think, I believe you were the first person. I, I think mean, I was too. Uh, my tweet got like 800 likes, no big deal, but uh, you were the first person I should have just retweeted you, but no, hey, um, it's a it's a hard knock life out there in the exactly. social media world, but uh, God, it's outside of obviously Notre Dame that started Notre Dame, and that first half against Northwestern, every single game that Michigan has played has been an absolute bloodbath on both sides of the football. And at this point, I mean, I know I've been skeptical, and I've been waiting for the other shoe to drop. Um, this is it's this is what they are. The, the body of work is is what it is. It's a down Big Ten, and and nobody can, you know, you can beat your you know thump your chest on that all you want if you're the SEC or Pac-12 or Big Twelve. M- Michigan is beating the hell out of these teams in a down Big Ten, and they they are absolutely one hundred percent for real. And in, and we'll get to the Ohio State stuff later, but um, this team should be favored in Columbus. This team had better win in Columbus. And this, this is a team that right now, if, if I'm looking at, you know, they're, they're in the top four now in terms of the AP and coaches polls, they're going to be in the top four of the playoff poll. Um, I mean, nobody's beating Alabama, but I think Michigan has some Alabama busting potential there. Uh, now, by busting, I'm like, you're not going to lose by 100 points. 
But uh, yeah. if we're looking yeah. at all the teams right now that that are kind of in the mix, I'm I'm so incredibly impressed with what Michigan's been able to do. And coming out of a bye, I thought maybe they'd be a little rusty. And there were some big plays early on, um, but it was more of the same. And it was business as usual. And it was thorough. It was it was it was a wrecking. It was a wrecking ball. I, I'm uh, I'm in agreement with both of you in regards to being frustrated with some of the play calling. Um, and again, same with Michigan as the Michigan state game, leaving points on the board, Quinn Nordine, figure it the hell out. I don't know what the hell's wrong with the kid, but figure it out, please. Don't, I don't want to lose a game because of a damn field goal or, or, or a lack of a field goal kicker, but I'd say the last quarter and a half of that game, Man, was maybe the most fun I've had watching Michigan football in a long, long time. The team was having fun. The crowd was nuts. It was just, like you said, thorough. An absolute beatdown of Penn State. Mentally and psychologically and physically a beatdown, a slaughter. And... It would the defense. I said this in, in my post game video. They've played three straight ranked opponents, and they've essentially pitched a perfect game in all three games. Um, I'm waiting for, and I'm not going to count the last drive by Penn State because that was it was garbage time. Michigan had some of their starters out, but when you really think about it, I'm talking about when it's actually been a game or when it's been semi close. The last three games, Michigan has not had one bad drive defensively when the game has actually mattered. Everything is either, every time the other team has scored a touchdown, it's either come on a big play like the one against Wisconsin or in garbage time like against Penn State. They've been flawless the last three games against pretty, uh, somewhere between average to pretty good football teams. And I, even with the exception of Alabama, we have to throw that out there, even the, the best teams in the country right now, I don't think would be able to score more than two touchdowns against uh, Michigan's defense. And, and I feel like, honestly, I feel like I'm pushing it there. Once it got to 21 nothing, you knew the game was over. I was pretty sure once it got to 14 nothing, the game was over. And they just didn't relent. It was just, just a furious attack defensively uh that herb street said it best I, I, it was either herb street or Fowler when they said they play every down like it's third down and, and we've seen points in the past where that's worked to their disadvantage giving up big plays on third down but it ha- that hasn't been the case this season this defense and some of the players on this defense are getting better and offensively as well i, I mean it well d- did shay play his his best game no he didn't have to I, i'm i'm i think it's time we start talking about Karan Higdon as being uh you know a potential NFL running back he's just continued to just steamroll people it was an awesome awesome game and this three game set that they just had that everyone circled at the beginning of the season they passed with as as bright of flying colors as you could possibly ask for this is the best football of the Harbaugh era Probably the best Michigan football we've seen. I think it's gone past uh, how well the 2016 team was playing at their best. Uh, at oh, their hell yeah, best. absolutely, one hundred percent. 
this is the best they've played since uh, probably the, the heart of the 2006 season. And I think it, a strong argument could be made that they're playing better than that because of the opponents they're going up against. That was as close to a flawless performance as you could possibly ask for. And you, you, uh, you said before the podcast, or even I think uh, maybe even during the podcast, I can't, I can't even remember when we're on and off the air, but uh, ex- expectations change. And the expectation now is get to the playoff. This is one of the four best teams in the country, period. And they I, need, I, they got four more wins uh, that they need to get. Uh, and the two big ones, obviously, being Ohio State and then hopefully the Big Ten Championship. Well, talking about that defense, man, I, I saw Sam Webb throughout this stat this morning said starting with the second half of the Notre Dame game. Opponents had 102 offensive series and 16 resulted in points, not touchdowns, points. That is absolutely insane considering Michigan has played three ranked opponents in a row. It's insane to consider. I mean, you look back at the beginning of the year and we talked about it. We talked about what a gauntlet Michigan was going to have. We said after the Notre Dame game, if they go two and one in this stretch, that's going to be a win. You know, between Wisconsin, Michigan State, and Penn State, and and like Chris, like Anthony, like you guys pointed out, hundred and one to twenty seven. I mean, it, these have not just been wins; these have been ass whoopings. These have been take them out back, shoot them like the injured horses that they are. Penn State, when you look at their numbers all throughout the season, four hundred thirty four yards, three hundred and ninety yards, six hundred forty three yards, five hundred and ninety one yards, four hundred and ninety two yards, three hundred and ninety seven yards, four hundred and seventeen yards, three hundred and twelve yards, and then one eighty six. Penn State didn't have a game where they had below three hundred yards in any game. They had less than two hundred against this Michigan team. That is an ass whooping of the highest magnitude. I mean, that is a thorough ass kicking and you know all the credit goes to Michigan this coaching staff and Ed Warner man you want to talk about a guy uh, think of you know where does he rank in Harbaugh hires obviously Don Brown is far and away number one but Ed Warner's got to be number two right in terms of assistant coach two and it's not it's not even close I mean Chris Partridge would be up there as well but uh what Ed Warner has been able to do, not just in whatever, I, I don't know when, when he was, he, when was he hired? February, March, whatever it was. It was, uh, uh, it was February. Cause I remember the exact weekend because I was just uh, brought on by you guys. Okay. Uh, well, well, congratulations on the, uh, the anniversary. <laughs> um, but uh, it's not just the work since then. It's the work that he's done since September 1st. I mean, two months ago, like it's, Every single week, and we've talked about this before, how the schedule is kind of stacked up to where every week after that Notre Dame game, it worked out to where the competition that they were going to play increased a little bit each week, and at least in terms of the fronts that they were going to see. This Penn State defensive line that they pushed around was is was arguably the best front they've seen all year. Now, I think that Michigan State's front probably played the best out of any of the defensive lines that we we've seen against Michigan all year. And it, it was, yeah. there was some give and take there. Uh, but then again, like I said, the, the body of work suggests that there was going to be a break at some point 
and Michigan was able to break them successfully. Uh, going back to the defense really quick, I wish I had the stat in front of me. I saw it in passing over the weekend. Um, I thought it was something along the lines of that, like Michigan has got has got off the field on third, had gotten off the field on third down in like all but three of their last. I don't know what it was, thirty six defensive possessions or something like that. It's, it's crazy. Um, that is absolutely insane. Um, well, well, think about it, Anthony. Where is the weakness? Because all three levels to the defense are is, uh, the depth amongst the defensive line is insane. You have far and away the best linebacker in the Big Ten in Devin Bush and a great linebacking core to go along with them. And then Lavert Hill and you know David Long are are two of the best corners of the Big Ten, if not the country. Like, where is the weakness on this defense in any level? Yeah, well, we thought it would be the safeties. And as as bad as the offensive line was in that first game against Notre Dame, people were very concerned about the safety play as well. And it was a rough go early on for those guys. But even they have come stepped up and, and really elevated themselves and gotten better every single week. Like, I don't I don't know what the deep what the weakness is, because they're deep now too. I mean we saw the last, whatever it was, four or five weeks where Sean Gary wasn't even on the field, and you had guys like Josh Uche and Quiddy Pay and, and all these different guys making plays. Uh, I think Jordan Glasgow had had a sack on Saturday um, you know, in the, from the secondary. It's like all of these different guys are making plays from every, like everywhere. I mean, David Long, an incredible interception. Brandon Watson, another pick six. Um, you know, <laughs> We're t- talking about oh, it, it's it's amazing. I, I don't. I've never seen anything like this from a Michigan football team. It's it's really it, it's incredibly impressive. Um, I don't. And they've struggled against up tempo offenses over the years, especially coming out of a bye week. But and I know that Trace McSorley was a little banged up. But man, oh man, everybody that they have played, good or bad, like they have made. Wisconsin, Michigan State, Penn State look as bad as they've made, you know, SMU look or or, or uh, Western Michigan. Like these are not terrible football teams. Michigan State has some problems with. I think its offense needs to come into the twenty first century a little bit. <laughs> but if that team, like that's a good football team. Yeah, I mean, they go down to Maryland this weekend and smack games. them around. Yeah, like. It's so impressive. And um, back, you, you know, you talked about Karan Higdon there, um, how we should be talking about him maybe is, a, I mean, easily an NFL, easily an NFL guy. I mean, he's someone I've been a high on for a while. I think I did, I did one of those, like you see beat writers or, or media people every once in a while be like, Hey, I'm stuck at an airport. Like ask me anything. I did one of those um, when I had a layover in Chicago over the spring and some dude on Twitter asked me, um, you know, of guys on Michigan football's team right now, who do you think will be the, the, you know, who do you think could be pro bowlers or good pros? And I named four guys. I said, Rashawn Gary, that's going to be like that. Like that's a slam dunk. Like he's going to be a top five pick. Yeah. Uh, David long. I think that he fits exactly what modern NFL cornerbacks uh, are or what they need to do. Uh, Tariq black is a guy that I think, which we'll talk about him in a second touchdown. That wasn't a touchdown. He is back. Like he looks, he looked terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, that was great to see as well. And then Cron uh, Higdon was the other guy. And, and Trevor and I were talking about this on the box on Saturday. I see a lot of Frank Gore uh, in his game, and and yeah. uh, 
Um, when you look at this Michigan offense, some of the things they're starting to do, uh, I know that people are frustrated with the play calling, things like that, but the read option stuff, the the RPOs, the, the runs with Karan Higdon, um, Shea Patterson has not played as well as Colin Kaepernick did when things were really humping or humping. Oh my God. Hey, humming. Hey, <laughs> Oh, uh, whatever. Um, humming, I should say in, um, in that San Francisco offense, but th- they're doing a lot of similar things. Um, I should just stop talking. Cause I just hear humping in my head now. So go, <laughs> go ahead, take it away. Go ahead, Chris. Well, no, I mean, I just to go back to a few points you guys have made one. Um, yeah, I think we, after the Notre Dame game especially, we thought, okay, well, this defense is great, but there's going to be some weakness in the secondary. Well, we were wrong. Uh, the last two weeks, um, I've never seen Trace McSorley be a non-factor in a football game, uh, but he was on Saturday. And we know what they did against Lewerke and Hornybrook having what was a QBR of like .3 or whatever that the hell it was. Just, just dominance, absolute dominance defensively but but the other guy that uh, I would bring up and a guy who I think has been uh was unfairly scrutinized a bit last season and I think now I, I could see being a, a a player that's gonna be in the NFL one day and potentially like a, a big all-purpose type of player is Donathan Peoples-Jones um he's improved immensely as a receiver um, he, we always knew he had, he had the talent, but what he's done, uh, as a punt returner this year can't be ignored either. Uh, last year, near the end of the year, it seemed like he'd lost all his confidence. He dropped, uh, dropped several punts, fumbled several punts in big situations this year. Uh, he's made smart decisions. Uh, he's called for a fair catch when he's needed to, but he's also had some big time punt returns. He's also had some punt and kick returns called back, but, uh, he's been excellent as another guy. Uh, once again, only a sophomore, guys, and, and th- this is somebody who could I, I think could be an NFL talent today. Uh, they, they're uh, th- this is a, a a stacked roster right now that uh, especially a lot of the younger position players that we were unsure about. I mean, when we heard Tariq Black was going to be out for a majority of the season, it was it was a punch in the gut to everyone. It was an a uh, uh, here we go again moment, but the way that Collins has stepped up and people people's Jones has stepped up and Higdon has stepped up uh and Patterson to a certain extent has stepped up. It it's been uh incredible to watch and, and I said this I think and I I tweeted this that the team that went into South Bend was not the team that came out. Uh and it, whether it was they maybe they it was the punch in the mouth they needed, maybe that was the final straw, the defining moment uh, of the Harbaugh era. Maybe sometimes you need to go backwards before you could go forwards. All other type of cliches, but it seemed like something was just triggered after that game. And the team you saw the next week, the week after, and every week since then has been a team that's just been uh, exuding confidence the the entire season and i mean it's a thrill really it's awesome to watch and i also want to mention this man because you go in the box score and you're not really going to see this guy's name which kind of boggles your mind a little bit until you like start watching the game and see what's happening but rashawn gary returning and the effect that he has on the rest of that defensive line and the way he kind of opens up opportunities for everyone else, because that offensive line 
every opposing offensive line absolutely schemes to Rashawn Gary without question. The first couple of plays on that first series, I saw him getting shot out of a cannon and and screwing up double teams. Like he's the reason Chase Winovich got that first sack on that on that first drive. Rashawn Gary being a part of this defensive line. It, as talented as everyone else is, gives it so much more potential. It is so good to see him back. You guys mentioned Tariq Black and what he's going to bring to the offense moving forward. Like Tariq Black is, is going to get game snaps in two games against Rutgers in Indiana uh, before going into Columbus on November 24th. Like imagine the barring any more injuries for this team, knock on wood, like it, 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 you put it perfectly, Anthony, when you said it when you sent it from the Maze of Brew account with with the uh, Emperor and you know the full capacity, pretty much of the Death yes. Star going on. Yes. You know it, yes. it, it was perfect. It was that perfect. Was, I have zero issues, and I'll I'll puff my chest out. I'll flex on it. Like that was the best tweet I've ever sent out. <laughs> no question. But, uh, and, and, like uh, this team at full power Chris you just mentioned it the amount of talent is insane and the coaching staff you know Jim Harbaugh is a great football coach a great football coach and a great football mind a good leader of young men what Harbaugh is best at and his best quality is getting great teachers around him you know that I think is his truly his best quality because the coaching staff he's put together, we see it with the receivers each and every day, hiring Jim McElwain. Jim McElwain was winning division titles at an SEC school, you know, for the last three years. The guy's coaching receivers right now at Michigan. A grad assistant was doing that earlier, and this is a credit to Jim Harbaugh. This is a credit to the athletic department at Michigan for not being afraid to spend the necessary money to make this an elite program. You know, uh, there's so much that goes into it, but Jim Harbaugh going out, Jim Harbaugh doesn't seem like he has an ego when it comes to that, right? Like he puts together the best staff that he possibly can because because the guy wants to win and that's a credit to him his coaching staff and the culture he's developed at Michigan and the players buying into it and finally finally it's coming to fruition I sent out this tweet you know on Saturday that people were ready to move on from Jim Harbaugh after the Notre Dame game not a lot of people are going to admit it but people were ready and questioning whether Jim Harbaugh was the right man to lead this program and it's finally coming together right now and they're finally realizing the potential and this team I don't know if you guys sense this, but it, it feels like Michigan in the last few years almost had played scared. You know, the culture was that something bad was going to happen to them, and then something bad did happen to them. This team with the revenge tour, Anthony and Chris, you know, this revenge tour has been the best possible thing that could have happened to this program because this team is playing with a chip on their shoulder, and they want to kick the shit out of everyone they play. Well, there's two things. There's two things I want to hit on. First and foremost, you're ab- like you're absolutely right. I, I I've said it before on the sideline at Notre Dame, we saw these guys. I, I saw faces that looked like lost puppy dogs. Guys that they didn't know what the answers were, and I saw the same thing in the in that first half against Northwestern. And, and Chris said, I, I don't, you know, he didn't know if it was after that Notre Dame game if it was a turning point. I actually think it was that Northwestern game because I think they went into the locker room. And 
some, they flipped the switch and it was like, enough is enough. We are done with this playing scared shit. And since then, it has been thorough, decisive, and we've seen this team develop an edge that we've never seen them have um, under Harbaugh. I mean, Harbaugh's always had a little bit of an edge, but um, his teams have, have kind of flustered when they've been punched in the mouth. This team is the hammer. They are no longer the nail. They are going to hammer you until you break. And we've seen that. And the second point that you made about being open-minded enough to getting better and bringing in different coaches. Jim Harbaugh is a very good football coach. I don't know if he is an amazing coach yet because there's still work to be done. I mean, you they, they still there's still a few narratives that need to be killed in terms of winning the Big 10, beating Ohio State, um, you know, finishing a season with a winning record against your rivals. Like that that would be absolutely huge. Um, anything more than that is gravy whether it's playoff no matter what it is. What you saw Saturday to me was another example of a coach only being as good as the assistance that he surrounds him with. And to a certain extent to a coach only being as good as the resources that the university he works for will allow him to have. You've got a former head coach coaching your wide receivers now, and it is, you know, what's, what's a bigger difference than night and day. I mean, um, it's, completely black and white from last year in terms of what these wide receivers have been able to do. Now, a lot of that I think is that one, you had freshmen trying to run NFL route con- concepts last year with NFL terminology. I think they, they've simplified that a little bit more and the coaching's better there. Uh, the quarterback plays better. These guys are experienced. I mean, on that Donovan people's Jones touchdown, you saw him get like, you know, the equivalent of like four feet down when last year, I, I remember the, the play that, really sticks out most about him from last year was the touchdown that wasn't at Wisconsin where he couldn't quite get those feet inbounds. Those are big changes. I mean, that's to me, that's watching a guy who's dedicated to his craft and also someone who's been coached to do it the right way. It sucks that Tim Drevno didn't work out because they had coached well together uh, with the 49ers at Stanford. It, It just didn't work at Michigan. And I said this before, Michigan did everything it needed to do this offseason in terms of the changes it had to make. Wide receivers couldn't get separation last year. Okay, cool. We got a new wide receivers coach, maybe the most overqualified wide receivers coach (laughs) in the country. Our offensive line was terrible. Well, in a roundabout way, Tim Drevno's gone. Oh, we stumbled into Ed Warner because I hired him as an analyst. Bam. One of the best offensive line coaches in the country. Um I said this after the or I may have said this during last season. I said, Jim Harbaugh needs to find whoever the Don Brown of offensive line coaches is and give him a blank check or Michigan does. Well, Pierce, it looks like they've done that. And then on the flip side of that, across the big 10, why is the big 10 down? Why are some of these teams, in the big 10 East down Ohio state has replaced guys like Ed Warner, uh, Tom Herman, um, you know, Greg Schiano is their defensive coordinator. Now urban Meyer doesn't have good enough assistance there. And it shows on the field. They, they can't run the football. Their offensive line. Isn't very good. Uh, Penn state. We haven't even talked about this yet. Do you realize James Franklin is three and 12 against Michigan state, Ohio state and Michigan. If yeah. that was Jim Harbaugh, 
you would not hear the end of it. We don't. We bomb. don't hear the end of it. I it's I don't understand why more people aren't lighting James Franklin on fire. He's three and twelve against those teams, and and without without Jordan Moorhead, without um, Saquon Barkley, that's what they are. Uh, I'm pretty sure that Penn State had more coaching gaffes, and mind you, there were a lot of them than first downs on Saturday. James Franklin is terrible and he's a fraud and I'm not going to out the out some of the people that I had had conversations with over the off season. But all I heard about was that Jim Harbaugh is overrated. James Franklin is one of the best coaches in, in college football. You know what James Franklin is? James Franklin is a slightly better version of Brady Hoke. He's a, he's a cheerleader that recruits really well. I saw that, you know what I saw from him this weekend and a lot of those decisions he made? I saw that Butch Jones look in his eye. That champions of light. I feel like Hmm. we're one more bad Penn State performance away from some sort of champions of life quote. They are, he is a joke. Nice dude. He's an insanely nice guy. They are a joke. And Penn State is a joke. And they're frauds. And I'm glad that Michigan outed them as frauds. And quite frankly... I'm glad that they stuck it to him because, and I, I'm glad that I saw the, you know, the Saquon celebration, the, uh, the home run swing. Um, I have no issue. Like there was no Michigan blew out Penn state last year. Cause Penn or a couple years ago, because they weren't good enough. They, they just weren't, they had a lot of injuries and Michigan just took the hammer to them. Penn state blew out Michigan last year and was disrespectful about it. They were, I mean, they ran up the score, um, it, it was a bad look. So that they kept the receipts on that, I have no issues with that at all. But going back to my point, I mean, we go back to, you know, Michigan, you know, look at Michigan State. Why are they a little bit down? Their offensive staff is terrible. I'm, this is all a roundabout way of me saying that kudos to Michigan for identifying what their problems were, not being set their ways. Like people have accused Jim Harbaugh of being and being able to adapt and, and upgrade and, and tweak. Every single thing that was a problem last year has been addressed. And really, you know, you, there, there are maybe two, the two biggest concerns right now to me would be that one, you're leaving some, you're leaving some chances for points on the field in a game against a team that's better equipped to beat you. That's, that's a concern. I'd like to see them. I'd like to see them be a little bit more aggressive in the first half. And I think that could certainly come at some point, um, maybe even against Ohio State. Who knows? I don't think they're holding anything back by any means. I just think it's the way that they they call games, the way that um, the approach to the games. Um, that would be the one concern. Is And the other is what you talked about, Chris, already with the Quinn Nordine and the kicks. Uh, you got to be better than that. Uh, it's not – when you have – you can't have a recruiting process that includes a video of you getting off a plane like you're um, – you know, like you're president, like you're the president with two thumbs up and you got your cool sunglasses on and your hair's blown in the wind and you're a kicker. Like your job <laughs> is to make kicks. You're not a quarterback. You are not, uh, you know, Shay- guys like Shay Patterson coming out of high school can do that because they're damn good players. Your, your job is to kick balls through a, through an upright. And if you can't do that right, I don't have a whole lot of respect out of that. Um, so figure, figure, figure that out. And also there's no reason to use a scholarship on kickers anyways. Like why? Like that is, I, I know you want to lock your guys down and I don't have an issue with it, I guess, but, um, you know, 
sleepovers and things like that. I know he's been dogged for that. That's it's not really necessary for a kicker. Just find a dude that gets the job done. There's a pretty good chance he may just be wandering campus somewhere anyway. So, um, in all of this, I mean, kudos to Michigan for identifying what its issues are and correcting them. It's, uh, you know, you go down the checklist of everything that they needed to do this off season and they pretty much did it. And it's showing up on the field right now in a big, big way. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah. Well, I just, I wanted to go back to the point you made about James Franklin and, and, uh, why well, I, I, you say, I, I would say he's a, he's a much better version of Brady Hoke. I mean, I, but still, there, there are similarities there because you look at the year that Penn State had two years ago winning the Big Ten, and even last year, that you have to consider last year a successful season. A lot of those weren't his players. You know, a, lot, a lot of those were Bill O'Brien players. Um, and I think Bill O'Brien did was like the savior there. I think what he was able to do in the two years at Penn State was – kind of miraculous and I think ultimately he kind of saved uh James Franklin's ass by leaving him uh I don't think he left him McSorley but he left him uh Barkley and some of the other studs that they've had the last two years and now uh it's completely Franklin's system completely Franklin's schemes and uh yeah I mean they're uh they've swung and missed three times this year uh against uh better opponents um and even once against a, a weaker opponent, uh, I, I the Michigan State game was just a, a disaster. So, but obviously, you know, there's there's a flip side to it, and that's that Michigan is just that good. Now, uh, we're talking obviously highly of them, which we should. They're playing out of their minds, but uh, based on <laughs> both recent and not so recent history. I feel like we've been at this point before. Does this team feel a little bit different? It does. It's hard to explain exactly, but it does. Uh, but with that said, um, all this could still be for not if they don't do, as I've been saying, finishing the finish the job. I mean, they it it's a it's a tall order winning twelve games in a row, right? But if they don't do that, do it. You know they're two thirds of the way there, um, basically three fourths because they got Rutgers this weekend. <laughs> uh, if they don't do that, this season will be a failure. And it, I, I think it's still in the back of uh, I, I know it's in at least mine. I would guess it's in in the back of your heads too, that we've seen this scenario go go poorly in the past with teams that we felt were the best teams in the big 10 or were among the four, three or two best teams in the country. Um, I mean, uh, just kind of p- putting this question out there. What, what's your, what's your worry level that they're peaking a little bit too early? I, I don't really have that worry level because from what I've seen, they've gotten better each and every week. Like they, they were better in the Michigan state game than they were in the Wisconsin game. In my personal opinion, they they were better in the Penn state game than they were in the Michigan state game. It, it seems like they continue to get better. The one thing that I am worried about is that with who they're playing this Saturday and with who they're playing the following Saturday, the two games leading up to Columbus, you know, is there going to, are they still going to play with that edge? Because if they do, 
they're going to be flying high into pet or into Ohio state. And they are, I, I mean, they're going to play great at, at Ohio state. I, I personally think now, if they don't continue to play with that edge and they kind of take it easy, these two games then the worry level is going to completely rise heading into November 24th. But if they go out there, it, they have to have, you know, the Alabama, they are the gold standard of college football. They have to have that Alabama mindset that no matter who they're playing, they're going to go out there and they're going to play with an edge. You're like, it is a top 10 team, no matter who you're playing. And that's my worry level is that they're not going to do that and that they're going to take these opponents lightly and they're not going to be playing their best football uh, heading into November 24th, but I'm hoping to be proven wrong. Yeah, I think my worry level is a lot less lower than it has been simply because I think even it, and I wrote about this over the weekend, even in 2016, when they had let that year kind of slip away to me, I don't want to say it was smoke and mirrors, but there were still some fundamental flaws with them. I mean, the quarterback play was, uh, it was average to good. Uh, it was never really great. Uh, and even now you're getting good to great quarterback play. I mean, the quarterback play they're getting under Shea Patterson is, um, has been terrific. Uh, hasn't been pretty at all times. The stats don't blow you off the page, but when you watch the games and you watch how he's worked in the confines of this offense, I mean, I have been impressed by that. Uh you know, the offensive line would get pushed around in big games. They wouldn't be able to run the football. Uh, the coaching was tentative. Team would crack under pressure. And they weren't able to run the ball to close those games out. We've seen them do, I mean, you could say the argument's still there that the coaching is a little bit tentative. Uh, but, you know, quarterback play is good enough. Check. Offensive line is not only, we thought, God, you know, if this offensive line could just be average, this could be a pretty special season. They're not just average right now. Like they are legitimately like one of the best offensive lines in the country at the moment. Like that's not hyperbole. Like that's what, that's what we've seen. You know, when you do what they've, nobody does to the Wisconsin's of the world, to the Penn States of the world, what Michigan just did to them. Um, that was impressive as hell. Um, I think the worry for me. And it's, I, I don't know if you can really quantify it. It's another one of those what ifs and waiting for the other shoe to drop is what if they snap out of it and go back to that Notre Dame of, oh my God, like right. this is a huge moment for us, huge test for us. Like, what are we going to do? Um, I sort of feel like they've come a little too far for that. Uh, now, certainly, I, I still think they could lose to Ohio State. I mean, that is a, it's a good football team that recruits very well. And, you know, at any given time, we've seen them be able to flip the switch at some point and you got to go to Columbus and those people down there will be out for blood. Um, but to me, it's not just, there's so much more on the line. And I said this in 2016 too, but this year there's so much more on the line than just beating Ohio state and winning the big 10. They have a chance to, this has a chance to be a pretty big paradigm shift in the big 10. Yeah. It's not only, you know, they're already doing well on the recruiting trail and it's not only just winning the big 10, it's putting the nail in what looks like could be right now. It kind of feels like the beginning of the end of urban Meyer at Ohio state. If they lose to Michigan, those people are going to be out for blood down there. And I feel like you have a chance to kind of bury Ohio state and, and kind of, it's almost like when the sec flipped from, Florida's conference to Alabama's, you know, in that third or fourth year of Nick Saban. Um, yeah. To me, that is, 
there's a chance that if you beat Ohio State, you don't look back for five to ten years from that. Uh, I think that's that's how important that game against that team is going to be. And listen, they're like they're not going to slip. Like when you look at where's the slip up at, where's the Iowa game at, it's not going to be rough. Like barring some unforeseen thing where every quarterback gets hurt this week and uh, Joe Milton has to start and a sinkhole swallows up, you know, the wide receiver room and two offensive linemen break their ankles on the way to this. Like it's not going to happen. Like they're a 40 point favorite this week. Like I'd be more like, it's not going to happen this week. You're not going to lose to Indiana at home. Um, you may, you might play ugly, uh, it might be one of those trap games where you look ahead to Iowa State and don't look all that great. But this is the most important Michigan football season there's been in a really, really long time. And, you know, I, I don't know. I know people will say the Big Ten is down, but it's part of the reason that Michigan has dominated the Big Ten this year is because they've made every team they look that they've played look like a pedestrian team. Um, there is no excuse to to not beat Ohio State this year. Like, you are a better football team right now. I think that after whatever it is, uh, 10 weeks of football, we're heading into week 11 here. It's not – it's the body of work and the sample size, it's it's all there. Like, you are a better football team. than, And if you lose to them, it's amazing how expectations change. I mean, early in the year, we're like, God, I mean, I guess if they lose to Ohio State, based on what we just saw at Notre Dame, like, I guess it wouldn't be that huge a thing. But – Throughout the last nine or ten weeks, it has become apparent that they you cannot you cannot lose that game, and, and that won't mean that all this is for naught. It'll be disappointing as hell. Um, but when you talk about this revenge tour and how it looks like you're on a mission, you got to finish the mission, and that's what's ahead of them right now. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm I'm getting I get the type of feeling that I'm that I get. Th- or that I had after Michigan uh, beat Houston on that buzzer beater uh, in the NCAA tournament, where everything seemed like it had lined up so perfectly for this team to go to the Final Four, and they needed um, you know two more wins to get there. And I remember just uh, my heart rate just being elevated the next week or so because I was just thinking they're so close. They're there to, to doing uh, what a lot of people thought was, was impossible at the beginning of the season. Now, as far as this football team, they still have, you know, a longer period of time. They still have to win four more games, but I'm getting that feeling. This is a different team. It, it's, you, there's certain fans you talk to, like there, there were, uh, there's a lot of Cubs fans I know who said that during the 2016 season, there was just something about that team that felt a little bit different. Couldn't really explain it. But when when the going got tough, they they actually had confidence that they wouldn't fold. I, I'm getting that mentality with this team, but I'm also really nervous that they're going to let me down again. Like, I am legitimately scared. I don't, I don't want my heart broken again. Because this is, this is the team. Like, this is... This will be if they, uh, you know, win out the remainder of the regular season, win the Big Ten tournament, will probably be my favorite Michigan team. Uh, 
maybe probably second favorite Michigan team across all sports of all time behind 2013 basketball. I love this team that much right now, but uh, they got to finish the job and it's going to be a long couple weeks until they get to the Buckeyes. That it is, that it is, and uh, obviously we don't think that they're going to have much problem the next two games. I just hope that they they go out there and they destroy like they have the last three games. So um, as we move along, obviously we're getting pretty deep into the podcast. One thing that I do want to touch on, and hopefully this isn't going to come into play at all uh, for for the rest of the season. That's that's the goal, obviously. But Dylan McCaffrey broke his collarbone done for the rest of the year. Um, and now Brandon Peters or Joe Milton, you know, that is the question. Joe Milton, they want to preserve his red shirt. He can play in three more games. And you're probably thinking that he's not going to play, uh, in the Ohio state game. I can't imagine that Michigan's going to dominate them kind of like they have, you know, the last three games where he could play a backup quarterback. Um, but potentially these next two, maybe a big 10 championship game. Um, you know, would you rather see Brandon Peters or would you rather see Joe Milton as the backup quarterback? Oh God, can we just not? Right. No, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I don't want to um, see them at all. I mean, when the game is out of reach, can we just, I mean, put Peters out there and just take knees now, until the game is over? Now, like, is that possible? Here, here's the thing too, is that I, uh, I see some people, you know, complaining that Brandon Peters, you know, broke his collarbone in a blowout and whatnot, but it, like, you're still going to play football, you know, like, like you're still going to go out there. You're still going to run plays. You're still going to play football. Like he's a backup quarterback. Like, you know, would you rather it be the backup quarterback or a guy like True Wilson who actually gets, you know, snaps mid game? You know, there's always a risk of injury. So I, I just want to get out there with my opinion that I don't mind that he was out there running the read option. Yeah, I, I don't mind that either. I mean, it's it's football. You get hit. Things happen. Um, and it he broke his collarbone. He didn't blow out his Achilles or tear his ACL like he'll be back. He'll be, he's yeah. gonna be fine. Um yeah, the thing of it is, uh, you know, I, I think I think I'd rather just see Peters out there. But again, I know there's the meritocracy and stuff like he's got to earn it and all that. That's all fine and good. Um, you know, you better. It's hard because say that you I mean, who's to say they don't blow out these teams the next three games? I mean, they've done it to everyone else this year. Like That's a good point. Um who's to say it doesn't happen. So you get, you get Joe Milton in there. Um, is it really worth burning? I see both sides of it because one, one side you're like, I mean, if it's just a backup quarterback, you like, you don't need to have Joe Milton ready. Like Brandon Peters is just going to hand the ball off to, you know, uh, Amore Samuels or Christian Turner or whoever's out there. Like it's not that big of a deal. Um, but on the flip side, like, you got to pre- be prepared too. like it's, say there is an injury to Shea Patterson. Um, hopefully that doesn't happen, but you know, then, then we're, then we're having a totally different conversation where, you know, who's going to start for this team, right. you know, that has playoff hopes ahead of it. Um, I mean, I guess, I guess you want to see the guy who goes out there and earns it, get the reps, but um, I don't know what there is to be gained by potentially burning a red shirt. When Peters is a guy who I think is still more than capable. I mean, he played good football when he was healthy last year, but that Wisconsin game, uh, that bowl game really turned people off on him. I mean, yeah. I thought yeah. uh, 
that really was a, a that game in general was a disaster. But he he was because I remember when it was announced that O'Corn was going to have to start the Ohio State game. I mean, it was a major disappointment. I mean, we felt like Peters had at least stepped up a little bit. Um, but yeah, he just play, he just looked like hot garbage against South Carolina. And, yeah, um, they all did though. I mean, it was I know. Um, offensive line melted down again. It was just kind of a culmin. Everything that went wrong for them last season kind of just boiled over in that game um, to where by the time it was over that Brandon Peters was starting to be mentioned in the same breath as John O'Corden, Wilton Spade, his guys that were disappointments and a bust. And Oh, I hope he transfers. Um, and this is what I'll say about this. So like, I don't think it's a hot take to say it. it wouldn't be all that surprising to see Peters transfer after this year because the writing is on the wall. Right. He's not going to get the reps moving forward. He's just not. Like if we're if we're right now discussing who's going to be the backup quarterback to Shea Patterson, you know, six months from now, nine months from now, whenever camp rolls around again, it's probably going to be a case where Peters would be the third fiddle to McCaffrey and Milton anyways. So, uh, but so if that is the case and Joe isn't quite ready right now, I don't think it's the worst idea to have Peters out there. And if he's going to transfer, put some stuff on tape to where these teams that he could transfer to, uh, you know, see something on film say, Hey, you know what? I want to bring this guy in. And I think, I think he has that film already. Like he, he will like a school will come after him and he will start somewhere the second he can, if he does transfer, but um, I don't know. It's just, I hope to, I hope that's not even that big of a deal. Like I I hope that that's just something where you're like, Oh, cool. Milton's in doesn't really matter. We're up 60 to nothing. Right. Uh, So I, I don't know. A lot of people seem to be kind of freaking out about it. I don't have an issue with it unless it only becomes a problem. If Shea Patterson gets hurt, Um, which God forbid that happens, but, been able to avoid that so far, so um, who knows? I mean, it, it could things could get weird real fast, but I don't. Uh, I certainly don't think you, you got to worry about the quarterback getting hurt on the offensive lines accord. I think that uh, things have improved there yeah. dramatically. So, yeah, it's a concern, but not not something I would worry too much about. Chris, anything else? No, man. Yeah. <laughs> I just I don't I don't even like want to talk about it just because the idea of like just just putting the bad juju in the air you don't want to you don't want to put it out in the universe exactly yeah yeah I just it just it's not Shay's gonna be fine he's gonna be fine fine, absolutely I could could not agree more you might only have to play a quarter on Saturday you're gonna they're gonna be up thirty five nothing stupid like that like you know who knows just put him. Make sure he's in r- bubble wrap. I mean, this is one of those things where people want them to open up the offense, open up the offense. But, like, if they run for 400 yards and pass for 20, like, the next couple of weeks, like, that's fine. Just don't get him hurt. Like, because now he does become, like, all that more important. So, um, yeah. Um, we'll see yeah. what happens. Yeah, I, I don't think we're going to spend too much time on this uh, Rutgers game, you know, for the rest of this podcast. That's It's pretty much a foregone conclusion, I think. Other than, are you guys going to w- – would you take, if you're a betting man, would you take the minus 39 or would you lay the points with Rutgers? Um, God, I'd probably take the 39. I mean, I don't know if Rutgers will score a point and I know they can't stop them. So, um, I mean, it doesn't mean they're going to score 78 again, but could I see a 42 to 
42-3, Yeah, I mean, that'll be what happens. I mean, it's – how much of a joke is that a Big Ten conference game has a 40-point spread? That's abs- – that's uh, batshit crazy. It's un- you know, it's unacceptable, too. I mean, that, that they're even in the conference. So um, That's fine. I'll take the win. Yeah, whatever. Uh, if it's 20 to nothing, if it's 20 to 17, who gives a shit? Like, just win the game and um, just keep giving yourself a chance, you know? Uh, I have an interesting question for you guys. So, Michigan State, Ohio State this weekend in oh, East yeah. Lansing yep. um, kind of puts everyone in a situation where kind of have to, you know, you if Michigan State wins this game, if obviously Michigan will take care of business Saturday. If you beat Indiana, yeah. you clinch the East before you go to Columbus. So do you – are you going back to the family? Are you rooting for little brother this week? Is that uh, is that a thing that's going to happen, or is it just kind of like whatever happens, happens? And it, I'll tell you how I feel before I ask you guys. It would not suck if Michigan State won, but I really don't care what happens in that game because I think Michigan's the better football team than both of them regardless. If um... – so as dirty as it feels, and I agree with that sentiment because I think Michigan has a really good chance of going and beating Ohio State, but I'm rooting as dirty as it feels. I'm rooting for Michigan State to beat Ohio State just because if that happens, I'm going to buy my tickets to go to Indy and get a hotel room, and I just want to get that out of the way. So selfishly, I'll be rooting for Michigan State. I just want to win the Big Ten. So if uh... – if that means uh, Michigan State wins this game and then we get, uh, you know, beat by Ohio State, yeah, that would you know suck ass. But at least, at least we'd go to Indy. So, yeah, I'll be rooting. Yeah, I mean, I'll be rooting for State this weekend, though. Though, with that said, I know it's going to be really close, and MSU is going to do some stupid shit like they did two years ago when they went for two for with. O'Connor and took their best player out of the game on the two point conversion. Uh, <laughs> so it'll be close, but Ohio State will win. Yeah, I mean, I think Ohio State will win too. Um, let me ask you this though: of based on what we've seen this season, who do you think? Like, do you think that Michigan State is the second best team in the East? Is that possible? No. I, I mean, we're going to find out coming up this Saturday. You yeah. know. I, I'm not. I'm. Um, I'm not ready of, to say that Ohio State is man, and not what I saw against Nebraska, not with what I saw against Purdue. I'm not ready to say that Ohio State is that much better than Michigan State. I'm just not. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because I think it, I think there's the chance for some pretty ugly weather on Saturday, which uh, Mark D'Antonio always seems to get in those in in any big game, uh, which always kind of levels the playing field for them. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'll say this though. I kind of, I'm kind of with Chris in that, you know, even we talk about, we've talked about this several times in terms of the Dr. Strange style of looking into all the possible futures. Like even in a scenario where you lose, where they lose to Ohio state, but you've got the East locked up already. At least that's another narrative that you can kind of cross off the list because they probably still would win the big 10, but it's like the line from uh, from Major League where, well, I guess there's nothing else to do but right, win the right. whole fucking thing. Just do it. Like, there's no reason you shouldn't. I mean, um, not that Ohio State beating you at home would be a, a massive upset or anything, but 
it would be an upset based on what we've seen right now. I mean, you're going to go into that game ranked at least number four. There's a chance you could be number two or number three. I, I don't know, but um, this is, like I said before, I just keep coming back to this field. Year four for Jim Harbaugh always felt like it was going to be, be the year that felt like it was the program-defining year. And it's not only a program-defining, but it could be like, potential like ripples throughout the rest of college football in terms of what this could mean for certain programs coming out of this season. So um, just go out and get it done. Like there's, we're going to harp on that the next couple of weeks because I I don't think they lose, they they won't lose or even be competitive in any of these couple of weeks. So um, right now it's just positioning yourself for, Mm -hmm. um, is the biggest game of the Jim Harbaugh era now. Uh, and that's, and you know, at. and I, I just, like I keep saying, I just hope they come out and they beat the breaks off Rutgers in Indiana. They still have to play uh, with that edge. So we won't spend a whole lot of more time on that. Do want to remind everyone that while we're talking about football, it is also basketball season. So the men's basketball team first regular season game against Norfolk state, Norfolk state is on. Tuesday, uh, so Michigan looking to make another run there. And how much fun would it be to get uh, a couple uh, Final Four teams? You know, Michigan football and Michigan basketball this year. That would be exciting. Yeah, I have a bold take. Um, I think that Michigan will probably struggle a little bit in the non-conference and be pretty good by the time March rolls around. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's controversial or not, but uh, that's how I feel. Go ahead, Chris. Recent. Recent history shows that Anthony will probably be correct. Yeah, um, yeah that's all I got. Well, yeah, I mean, you got a lot of you guys. You got to break in. You lose. You lose Wagner. You lose uh, Abdur Rahman. You lose Duncan Robinson. Like, there's a lot of. I mean, I don't want to call it star power, but there's a lot of. You got a lot of balls leaving that that team, and you know, it'll be time for new guys to step up. And one of the better recruiting classes that John Beeline has ever had is stepping in. So. I'm excited to see how they how they progress. I mean, we're used to seeing them struggle early on. So I'm fine with that baseline of, of seeing how they grow and how they improve. Because if you lose early in college basketball, unless you have some egregious losses like they did, um, you know, they lost to NJIT and Eastern Michigan and all that, like a couple, you know, a couple of seasons ago, that's not going to happen with this group. They're, they're way too good. They're way too well coached. Right. I'm just excited to see the process of, of what they are and what they end up becoming. Because I think... First of all, I think it's an absolute joke that that Michigan State is getting all the love uh, in the Big Ten right now, like they have gotten the last few years. And um, there's only been one coach in the state of Michigan that's been able to get every single possible drop out of his team um, and play in final in a Final Four and and do big things in March. And that's been the guy in Ann Arbor who, um, even with what Jim Harbaugh is doing right now the guy that's coaching Michigan basketball is, is worth every single penny and, and quite possibly the best pure coach that they have on that, on that campus right now. So I'm excited to see how it, how it plays out. I, I want to see the struggle. I want to see the highs, the lows. I'm here for all of it. I am a hundred percent on board with them this year. Chris. Yeah. They're going to be damn good. I mean, it might take a little bit, but I, I think, I think they're going to be better than people expect. Obviously they lose, you you said who they lost, but I I just I don't know, I think that the the uh, Wagner was kind of the heart and soul of last year's team, but I think that a big uh, I guess I feel like the brain of that team was uh, Xavier Simpson, who's back. 
Um, Jordan Poole is just a, a ton of energy. Livers, Teske, Ignis is is uh, you know coming in as a freshman. This this is a core that that is really really good, and they just are. And not to mention Matthews coming back as well. Um, that they're they're going to be really good, but I I'm I'm too I'm too anxious about football right now <laughs> to even focus on basketball, which is weird because I can't wait to watch this this basketball team. But yeah, talk talk to me after Thanksgiving weekend, and I'll I'll get. It's back. true, it's true. You know, football is always going to take precedent, especially in this country, except maybe if you're down in Lexington. But uh, I have no worries about this team. I think they're going to be fantastic. I think it's going to be another great John Beeline. Uh, coaching performance. I don't even think they're going to struggle that much in the non-con. I think they're going to be good wire to wire. I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. So a week from Wednesday, you go to Villanova. So national title rematch right off the bat, 19 versus nine, where we stand today. Big test. Uh, if you're looking at, and everyone is focused on football right now, and, and that's fine. That's how it'll be. The first game they play after that Ohio State game is when they host Mich- or they host North Carolina at Chrysler. I think yeah. that's going to be when people start to jump on board. And um, that's when we'll see, uh, you know, if you can get some good mojo going there, and then you're looking at a couple days later, Michigan football is played in Indy. This could be a pretty special couple months here for Michigan athletics. And even with, you know, Michigan hockey yeah. things heating up there too. So uh, excited for it here for it. Uh, th- those teams being good, Makes this show a hell of a lot easier to do. So <laughs> I hope that they keep rolling along. They keep doing uh, doing what they Definitely have. Definitely ex- an exciting time to be a Michigan Wolverines fan. That's about uh, all the time we have here today on Brewcast. I had a whole lot of fun talking a lot of Michigan things with you, obviously mostly football, but uh, uh, really fun last three games. Hopefully the last three of the season, the next three, are going to be a joy as well. Chris, where can we find you on social media, my friend? Oh, well, you can follow me on Twitter. That's at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2-0-1-4. Hope to see you on my feed. And, uh, yeah, follow me on the Twitter. Anthony, what about you, my man? Well, you can follow me at Anthony T. Broom. Uh, Make sure you follow the website uh, at Mason Brew on Twitter. Uh, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm I'm in the middle of kind of like a heater right now in terms of like running the tweets on that account. So d- you should definitely follow it. Um, I was feeling, I was feeling a little bit this weekend, so we'll see. Uh, tweets may not be quite as good uh, for the Rutgers game. Uh, we won't, none of us will be there. And I believe, you know, we've got, I'm actually taking the day off from game coverage because Saturday is my, Oh, birthday, all right. Happy so. uh, early oh, birthday. Okay. Oh, thank you. Uh, it's it falls at a perfect time. We got Michigan Rutgers on Saturday, and then I have a bye week for the Vikings. So I'm uh, pretty much uh, a free spirit. Uh, the world is my oyster this weekend. So uh, I have plans to do hopefully some fun things, but it will probably end up in me maybe grabbing a couple beers and then doing projects around my house. But either way, um, looking forward to the weekend. Looking forward to the next time that we're here, and that's. Uh, that's all there is to it. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I, and also make sure to follow our show at 
Brewcast show. We, we like to do a lot of good tweets from there as well, especially on game days. That'll do it for us here on another edition of Brewcast. Had a whole lot of fun. And we'll see you next week after the Rutgers game for Chris Castellani, for Anthony Broom. I'm Luke Yardy, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.